when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome everyone to another mini-sode here at Feelin' Film. Sorry for the delay in getting our official June donor pick to you guys, but with certain people going on cruises... Sometimes things just don't get done. Anyway, on this episode, we are talking about the Robert Rodriguez 90s horror sci-fi high school. Well, I don't really know what you could call it, but (laughs) it should make for an interesting discussion. And as always, I'm here with my partner in podcasting, Aaron. Hello. I can't agree more with you, buddy. This is this. This should be a wild, wild podcast. Uh, and, And hey. We're getting this win. I am so glad that we are getting this in in July. Okay. If we, we are on the cusp, but if we had not gotten this thing done until August, that would have like, that would have really been (laughs) embarrassing to, to have our June episode out in August. But we, we got it in in July. So I hope we get some credit for that. (laughs) Not maybe extra credit or maybe an A for effort, something like that. Since, uh, teacher puns for the win. Yay. We'll talk to the faculty about that one. Well, this was an interesting uh, this was an interesting pick from our from our listener or from our from our patrons, and and of course we kind of drove that a little bit because we wanted to talk a little bit about '90s horror, that is a a very um, significant I guess we can call it a significant time for us specifically for movies. I think we were in high school about this time when the when these things were being cranked out. And uh, so I was glad to see not only the list that came out, but also the this particular pick because there's, there's there are several things I'd like to uh, get into here with this particular film. I actually hadn't seen it since the '90s, and uh, there's a reason watching for that. There... <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> well, listen, Patrick, I got to tell you that. So this was out of the five movies that I put on the poll for June. Because I, I think this one was my idea for the the kind of slasher, summer of slasher flicks or whatever the heck I called it. Um, but there were... The 90s, and, yeah, it was 90, 90 degrees. And it, yeah, 90 degrees, that's right. Because I was coming, yeah. I had just come off of like personal rewatches of a few different of these films that I was like, oh man, I'm rediscovering the skulls and urban legend. And I really wanted to watch, I, don't, I know what you did last summer again, which I still have not done now. And so I was like, oh, let's let's throw some of these out there. Patrick, this movie was like thrown on there as an afterthought because I had to <laughs> fill up the poll. So there was like there were three movies on that poll. And I thought for sure it was going to come down to I know what you did last summer, Urban Legend or Final Destination. And I, right. and I truly thought it was going to come down to Final Destination or I know what you did last summer. So when this movie won, I could not believe it. Patrons or listeners. This is what being a patron gets you, okay? So what is it, Patrick? Is it like two bucks, I think, is the lowest level? So I it's think so. less than like half, like less than half of a coffee. Um, and you it's get- It's the price of a Route 44 drink from Sonic if you are from, you know, certain areas of awesome the country. places in the country that have Sonic, <laughs> unlike Seattle. Um, so yeah, listeners, if you're interested, check out Patreon, pa- I can't even say it, patreon.com slash film. And you can see what the different reward level tiers are there. But for, for just the lowest level of two bucks, you get votes and you can help pick these movies. I'll tell you coming up in August, very soon the voting is going to begin 
So now's a great time to get in now, and I'm going to go ahead and spoil it and say that in August we're going to be doing football movies, and that is a very heated debate between people of which their favorite football movie is, and there's going to be some good ones on this list. There's so many good ones that we have to leave good ones off this list. So if you are interested in hearing us talk about your favorite football movie, check out patreon.com slash film. It's pretty cheap. Your support means a ton to us and helps us keep the show going, helps us creep create more and more content and do so with a relaxed feeling of not having to worry too much about how much it costs to uh, actually put a podcast on. So that being said, those are our thanks to our current patrons, our plug to, to get more of you to come help us out. And then, yeah, I guess if you're a patron, you get to pick movies like the faculty for us to cover. (laughs) Speaking of the faculty, let's go ahead and get into it. But before we do spoiler warning, this is obviously like, any other episode that we put out a spoiler filled show. So this is a nineties movie. So go watch it. And I'm not going to be apologetic about spoiling this movie because you should have had time. And so if, if you don't want to be spoiled, turn us off, come back when you've watched it and then enjoy the discussion that is forthcoming. That being said, Aaron, we rewatched this. <laughs> Would this have been Oscar worthy? <laughs> what kind of question is that? <laughs> I'm not going to ask that question. No, oh that's, my goodness! That's not fair. No, I really I wanted to I wanted to ask this kind of as a way to start the conversation. This film exists within this whole family of '90s thrillers. I mean, these things were being cranked out like by the bucket load. What what is the what was the appeal or what is the appeal for these types of of, of 90s thrillers i mean there was a reason why they were making money at the box office and why i guess people still hold them at least in a nostalgic place in their heart what is it about these that make them so appealing to you i mean what do you what do you think it is hot chicks um no i'm (laughs) i'm kidding i mean i'm mostly kidding um halfway kidding okay listen patrick said we were in high school and our early college years during this stuff so hot chicks was a factor there honestly though I love these movies. <laughs> I, I do. I'm <laughs> even the ones that I can now, you know, critically be fair about and rate appropriately. I enjoy watching them. They are a blast. They don't ever take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a, a the time when horror was a little less horror-y. I think so. In the eighties, we got stuff like uh, blah blah blah. Friday, not Friday. <laughs> Friday the 13th. Yes, thank you. Guys, it's been a long week. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the Halloween series, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So we had some like real slasher, like with some some more serious horror, I would say. And then the 90s kind of twisted that. We got rock songs embedded in them. Um, Mm -hmm. We got twists and turns um, that were meant to kind of play on some of the tropes that we had gotten used to in the 80s. We got things like Scream. Um, and so, you know, they just, it was a genre that took us all over, took us by storm. And we, we just really connected to it. Characters were supposed to be our age and most of them. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching eighties movies, you know, they were teenagers in the eighties, but these were characters that were supposed to be our age at that time in our lives. And I think that's mm-hmm. probably why you and I would really resonate with this, this time period of horror movies. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I think that the thing that appealed to me, if I'm looking at it 
15, 20 years, I don't want to date myself, a number of years later, um, we have this, uh, this sense of commentary that exists in a lot of these films. I mean, look at Scream and look at uh, Urban Legend and you look at um, Final Destination. Th- there's a sense of commentary that exists on these previous slasher movies that came before this. And they exist in, in an environment that we, as at the time, high school students can relate to. You know, young people experiencing and sort of making fun of the the world of of 80s horror that was and given kind of a new twist even in this film specifically there's a lot of meta you know dialogue meta scenery going on where we have self-commentary happening within uh, within this film and i think that there's something very powerful about that in terms of not just entertainment and and laughing but also it speaks to kind of i think what a good comparison would be what cabin in the woods does for us today you know when when it when it becomes it, it it's filmmakers that look at us as an audience and say you're in on the joke we want you to come along for this ride that's full of rock and roll 90 songs and and tropes that you're familiar with and we want to put a new twist on it and i think all of these films did that in some way shape or form robert rodriguez as a director is a, at the very least, an interesting kind of guy. Okay. And so <laughs> that's one way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Quinn Tarantino. He's an interesting director too. He's a, he's a pretty interesting guy. Yeah. No. And, and I'm not a big fan of Robert Rodriguez stuff. His stuff is kind of way too over the top for me. And the faculty is, is no different, but what I can appreciate about him, particularly in the faculty is that he uses this film as a sandbox to really explore, exploit, uh, exercise, whatever you want to call it, his ability to entertain us. The story itself is very familiar. It's Invasion of the Potty Snatchers. It's a kind of a whodunit, and it takes place in high school. And so you have this, this almost formulaic story that we kind of we know we're familiar with in some way, shape or form. And he throws in these, what I consider just really cool elements that keep us entertained. And I think there's something very, very neat about that as a filmmaker, because he says, look, I trust you guys. I'm going to tell you at the very beginning what we're doing here, because I want you to be in on the joke. I want you to be in and just enjoy what I'm about to give you so that you can walk away going, (laughs) <laughs> that was a lot of fun instead of saying, dude, that was so scary or, or I'm not going to be able to sleep at night. No, he knew exactly what he was doing. And I think that's very, very cool because as an audience member, I'm going, thanks for not calling me stupid. Right. And I just, I can appreciate that. I can safely say I didn't enjoy the film as much as I've enjoyed a lot of other films that I've seen, but that factor in it made it a lot more enjoyable than I would have expected otherwise. Completely agree. I, I think that this is meant to be having us in on the joke, like you said. This is this is we are not intended intended to be taken on a normal horror movie train of thought or story story progression, and um and and it, yet its twists and turns work. You know, I mean it plays with us and, and, and it does so in a way that is 
really entertaining. I, I mean, it, mm-hmm. I I found myself enjoying it way more than I remembered. I remembered it pretty badly, honestly, Patrick. Like I, <laughs> when I when people talked about it, I said I, I remembered it as oh that Josh Hartnett movie, and uh, I had forgotten <laughs> I had forgotten who was in this movie. Dude, the, these movies were like who's who of of '90s actors. The cast oh in this thing is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got Frodo, right? Yeah. This is like literally Frodo right before Lord of the Rings, too. So watch this movie and then realize that this performance vaulted him into Lord of the Rings and laugh. Uh, <laughs> this has like Famke Jansen being completely sultry. I, I had no idea that she was going to be in this movie. It's who else is in this thing? Mia, come yeah. on! Oh gosh, Mia. that's right, that's right. Fast and the Furious, come yeah. On. Jordana Brewster's here. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's just John Stewart. John Stewart, yeah. Which in a surprising kind of bit performance type role, like a really, really, really like supporting type role. It's uh, Usher, you know, Usher. Yeah, Usher. But see, Usher shows up in every '90s movie. I mean, that's just the fact. He's just yeah, but like he was that. so good. Selma Hayek, say, yeah. Some Ike, absolutely. And it's, I mean, you're right. It's, it, it literally is a who's who of future stars doing just this ensemble cast of, I mean, it just makes it enjoyable because you, you realize who they've become and you're like, you, I, I love doing that. I love looking at watching older films like, oh, that's so-and-so from, and you, you know, 15 years later, like, yeah, it's Mia from Fast and the Furious. And you know, you just want her to say something really snarky like, when my brother gets here, he's going to, you know, take you down with, you know, more than just a scat pen, you know, but, but yeah, you're right. The cast was just fantastic. And not only that, but the soundtrack that, that goes along with it. See, this right here is, I think what signifies a nineties movie is the soundtrack. I mean, nothing else about the movie. There were, there were things about it that felt very nineties, but when you throw a soundtrack like that on top of it, I was like, that's a nineties movie. I mean, it's very, and, and that's a good thing. It doesn't have to necessarily feel timeless. It can feel very much in the element of the decade that it's supposed to exist. And and it was a fantastic soundtrack, rock and roll till the till the very end. It was so good. Dude, it's awesome. The Offspring, Creed, Soul Asylum, Garbage, Sheryl Crow, Sean Mullins, Oasis. Like yeah, it is it is fantastic. And I think it, I wonder sometimes if people in other generations if this is how they feel about those movies that are from their generation right if if that's if they have this sort of nostalgic connection to films that that they grew up with uh, mm-hmm. because i definitely have it for this genre and this movie brought that feeling back in spades <laughs> to me i mean the dialogue is dumb okay it's dumb it's not good <laughs> it's it's mildly funny entertaining witty at times um, <laughs> I say it's not good, but I mean, what I mean is it's, it's like that. It's so bad that it's good type dialogue. So you wouldn't put this in Aaron Sorkin territory, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> but it is, it is so on the nose with its meta-ness <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that it is, it's eye rolling, but you laugh while you're eye rolling. <laughs> yes, that's, that's how absolutely. I experienced it. Absolutely. I, and I found that what we have is we have stereotypes, a, an abundant number of stereotypes. But again, because we're part of the joke and Rodriguez says, I want you to be a part of the joke, 
even from the very beginning, we get introduced to these through dialogue, these stereotypes of, of kids. We have the jock, we have the, uh, the pretty girl that's dating the jock. And she even says, you know, when he's, when he's like, I don't want to be a football player anymore. She's like, well, that screws up the whole status, social status, because, you know, the hot girl in school needs to be dating the, you know, the captain of the football team. And I can't be dating, you know, a wannabe mathlete or whatever she calls him. And then she refers to Frodo, uh, <laughs> as, as that, you know, the school needs a, you know, an isolated, you know, a guy who's, you know, the, 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 the weird loner guy, whatever. And so what we get are these, even like from the very beginning, I love the typography and the introduction of all the characters. You know, I, I kind of wish that not only did it have their names, but it had like, you know, their kind of stereotype right underneath in parentheses, like right. <laughs> hot girl or uh, captain of the team, the football team or or uh, goth lesbian or whatever it was that, that, she, that these guys are being referred to as because – that played into Rodriguez's story. Like he starts out with these very flat characters and they don't round themselves out very much, but he uses that as a means to forward his story by creating change in each one of them. And it kind of reaches its climax at that moment when they're all trying to, they're all kind of accusing each other of being the alien because they're like, well, you know, you're you're the weird one because you're the jock who's turning himself into a blah blah blah. And and I love that. I love the fact that he says, here are these characters that you've become so familiar with in all these other movies, and I'm going to use that familiarity to create, you know, create this element within this story. I thought that was pretty fantastic. The op- so, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I just I love how the opening compares to another one of my favorite '90s movies, but in a totally different genre. The opening of this is literally exactly like the opening of Can't Hardly Wait. Only they're they're doing the opening of that going into a party. Okay. Do you remember that? No, because I didn't see Can't Hardly Wait. <gasps> I know. Oh, oh, mm, podcast confessions. This is on <laughs> tape. <laughs> and it cannot be undone. Or it I can. have no problem. It can, but I'm in charge of editing, so it won't be undone. <laughs> <laughs> that's going on the list my friend you need to see that movie and then we need to talk about it because well i i can't hardly wait to talk about oh that. oh my he did he went there <laughs> it, it, you're gonna love it like i know you okay. and i know you will love it so good there are my references out the window but for listeners who have seen can't hardly wait because you like good movies then you will remember that the opening of it is very similar in the way that it introduces characters with kind of the, the zoom ins and the text on screen and gives you their name and a little bio about them and things like that. I really enjoyed that in this one. I did not remember that that was how it was going to be. And so I thought that was really cool. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, you know, introducing these characters, the, the opening itself with the, uh, with the coach and the football coach. What I cannot remember the actor's name, but it's, I want to just go back to the, to the character, portion of this real quick to to talk a little bit about him because of course this is t1000 you know that's my first introduction to robert patrick robert patrick thank you he is now in one of uh these television shows uh, this television show scorpion that i adore as a completely different character i mean he's 20 years older he definitely does not look like young robert patrick but but it's so funny to see him in those two roles you know t2 and then this and then see him now as agent cape gallo who is 
playing this father figure and you know, I know you don't watch the show, but for those of you who, who do watch Scorpion, you know what I'm talking about. He, he has just as an actor just grown on me as, as just someone I love to watch on at least the small screen. But it's so funny to see that and then to watch the faculty and see him just be this crazy, insane head football coach, just swearing a, obscenities at his football players and how the the opening of the film is just that's what it is it starts out with him just yelling and berating his his football players and i'm going this is not the cape gallo that i've come to love this is this is t1000 with a lot more mouthier <laughs> character or personality but i i love that the dialogue uh, particularly his there's a scene where he uh he's 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 at the pool and he is talking to the football player and and uh what's i can't remember the kid's name obviously because i'm terrible with that but he says uh, he's trying to convince him that he's he says i'm leaving the team and i just want you to know that's it's over and he goes okay and he he says you're okay with that he said what kind of human would i be i know know, (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's just it's just so much fun and I love being part of that in joke and watching it a second time and knowing those in jokes ahead of time, like seeing the small little pieces and parts that Rodriguez puts in there, like showing the water, uh, the water bottles increasing in the faculty lounge and, um, you know, the coach being around the pool and all these different things that, that point to the hints of the film and the weakness of the, the alien or, or the strength of the alien. I didn't pick up the first time I watched it mm-hmm. and I didn't even pick it up the second time I watched it recently for the podcast. I actually watched it a third time just to see how much I would pick up that third time. So I, I love that. And to me, Rodriguez is, is so cool about planting those little things because it makes the movie a lot more fun to watch a second or third time because you're picking up on those things a lot like you would in a, in a Shyamalan, an early Shyamalan film where you have this twist at the end. And so you want to pick up on all those clues. So I thought that was very inviting as an audience to be able to say, ah, okay, now I get that. Let me go back and rewatch to see kind of all those hints get dropped. Well, yeah, I completely agree. And it, it, it goes right over our head. It's in plain sight. The alien, the first time we find out about the alien is, you know, we see it in a, fish tank and that's where we it starts exhibiting all of these different qualities like that's Mm -hmm. our first real interaction to this this thing this creature and yet it still takes time for us to realize oh water duh like you know we it was right there in the very beginning and yet we don't see that because of the the misdirection and the way the movie is kind of keeping our focus at different points in it and i so i i really like that as well i also Thoroughly enjoyed the creature design in this mm-hmm. film. Yeah. I think it's super unique. Uh, and it wasn't, I mean, it, like, especially when the football players uh, open up to the rain, <laughs> that scene, that iconic scene is with the tentacles coming out and things. That's, that is crazy awesome looking. And then the queen is just awesome alien horror movie sh- lock in, like, in that hilarity kind of way mm-hmm. um, especially when you know who the queen is actress wise because it just right. makes it that much funnier exactly one of the things that I pulled from this was comparing it to other other films 
in this era. You know, we talked about this being your typical nineties horror film, but in some ways it wasn't in some ways it's, it's, it's not slasher necessarily. I mean, yes, there's blood and guts and there's killing, but this is a different take on the, the nineties horror because we're not, we're not looking for a killer, a psychopath. This is aliens. This is body snatchers. This is, this is sci-fi. And, and that was something that was refreshing to me because it, even among the, the nineties horror and all the stuff that it has in common with other nineties horror films, it kind of stands out as being different among those because of the premise. Instead of starting with a psychopath form, uh, formulaic type, you know, find the killer before the killer finds you. It's let's do invasion of the body snatchers. In fact, that's again, another meta line that's called to in the movie, but you know, it made me wonder where does this, I mean, obviously our donors liked it enough to pick it number one, but I'm curious to know if generally speaking, if this, if this ranks up there as, as like the top or one of the top nineties horror films, because it is different. I mean, it, it doesn't, in, in, in a lot of ways it feels like a nineties horror film, but in a lot of ways it doesn't. And, and I think Rodriguez was very, very intentional with that because I think he wanted to be different even among this genre of film, you know? Oh, I agree. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, he's been different among whatever genre he's done for a long time. His Western is from dusk till dawn, which is very much different. Uh, most Westerns don't have vampires, but um, <laughs> yeah, if you're asking me where it ranks for me personally, I would say lower on the scale, well, mid middle, middle tier, for me, I mean, there are there are what I would say probably plenty of worse worse ones, but I would probably rewatch. I know what you did last summer, Scream, Final Destination. Um, I'm a big fan of the whole Final Destination series. Um, Urban Legend for me, I rewatched it right before this, and um, that one I found more. Enjoy- I enjoyed it more on rewatch, but, Mm -hmm. but this is not a bad movie. Like I, I had fun watching this again. And I think the cool thing about it and its uniqueness that, that helps it nowadays is, is that because I can introduce this to someone who's never seen it and it won't just feel like the same thing. It'll be something kind of fresh and new to them. And so I think they can have a good experience with this movie, even 20 years later, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think a film like this, as someone who doesn't really care for horror, I think it appealed to me because it wasn't true horror, because it was, I mean, it was, again, in the same lines as like Cabin in the Woods, but it had that sci-fi element. I mean, it didn't, it definitely had the somewhat, I mean, the, the alien, and I mean the franchise, not like an actual alien, but it had the alien slant to it, and it had enough comedy in it that I think was very much a an appeal, um, and one that I would... I honestly, I wouldn't, I'm like you, I would not put it above things like Scream and Final Destination and Urban Legend, those things like that, because I think those are, I mean, that's, they're good. (laughs) just really enjoyable films, but I don't think that this is by far any, any, any less. In fact, I think in a lot of ways it, it does a lot more originally than, than those other films do. Um, it definitely yeah. and it definitely has memorable lines. I mean, there are there are more lines from this movie that I now, having gone back and revisited it, 
there there are lines from this one that I'll probably quote. There's there's a moment where Casey's talking to the coach and uh, the coach is trying to get him to to uh, play football and and stuff. And he he responds by saying, "I don't think a person should run unless he's being chased." And I was like, "Solidarity, bro. That is, I'm right there with you." <laughs> yes. And then there's another fantastic line that I can't quote in its full glory. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> where they say, "I think this is the point where somebody says." Let's get the F out of here. And then we cut and it's, let's get the F out of here. Right. And it's like, it's again, it's like that cabin in the woods is such a great example. I really do think they pair well together because mm-hmm. it has that meta nature to it. Like awareness. The characters have these awareness to it, to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes it a lot of fun. I mean, I just talking about it. It, it's funny. Cause we're kind of, kind of making fun of it, but at the time, same time I'm smiling, remembering the movie. Mm-hmm. One one other thing I wanted to be sure and note that is an odd thing and kind of surprised me that I noticed this, but I thought cinematography was was really good at certain times. There are some standout scenes. There's one particular scene where the camera is panning through the gym and then also the locker rooms and the streamers from like the homecoming are casting shadows across the the gym and the locker room walls and things and it's just it's really really pretty the the way the blues work with the shadows it's kind of eerie and it makes it look almost like tentacles which are very similar to the way the monster the aliens look uh, and mm-hmm. i just thought that was really fantastic and then of course there's some good shots like i said with the the iconic shot of the aliens and the in the rain the football players mm-hmm. so there's not a lot of opportunities because of the way this movie is made and you know you're running around a lot from scene to scene but there were some 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 stills and some kind of brief periods where i just thought wow that i noted noticed the cinematography and that kind of surprised me for a 90s slasher flick yeah or it, it, like a slasher flick like a slasher flick. i know it's not a slasher flick but it's like a a 90 it, it it goes in that genre anyway you know the more we talk about this the more i the less I want to start calling it '90s horror, and the more I want to call it '90s sci-fi. I think you're right. I, yeah. I, I because it's different. I'm, just, I'm, I'm think it really is. The more that I think about the elements of it, the more that I think it doesn't necessarily need to be paired with things like like Scream and Final Destination, because all those fit a similar formula. Well, I guess Final Destination doesn't. It's got its own little interesting formula, but but. I think because it has those common elements of, well, I guess kids getting killed, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. I guess that's the only common element we can think of. So, so kudos to, to Robert Rodriguez and company for creating something that is somewhat unique. Yeah, but they don't Um, really get killed. No, they don't. It's all okay in the end. And this also provided one of those moments, those film moments where I shake my head and I'm like, man, Uh, when, when, when people in car, so one of my, my pet peeves is holding your breath in movies. It's like, for some reason, characters in movies can hold their breath for five, six minutes at a time. I watched a movie the other day where a character, two characters were, were drowning. One drowns while the other one is still holding their breath underwater and they take time to like stare at the person. There's like some establishing shots of like emotion. And then they finally rush to get out of the water. I mean, it's like a three, four minute, five minute scene. And I hate that. It drives me nuts. It doesn't happen in the faculty. So I know I'm going to get to my point. 
the other one is cars and lack of seatbelts or the or even using seatbelts but when people drive cars into things on purpose in movies this is like a thing right and josh hartnett's character does this zeke he puts on a seatbelt and drives full speed into a bus is a bus i think so right and he's okay he's banged up a little but like i mean that drives me (laughs) bonkers like that's gonna be safe no no that's not how that works yeah but the thing is with the sci-fi element you've got to just go into it and roll with punches because (laughs) i'm not not worried about the aliens and body snatchers that gummit that seatbelt should not work (laughs) (laughs) but even at the end i mean no there's no way that the people who get together get together i mean that's just dumb um i (laughs) I don't think Frodo and Mia get together at the end. That's just not realistic. She's still going to be, there's nothing about her character that I think changes enough where she's like, I'm going to start dating the, the odd kid in school, I guess because he's on the front page of time and all this stuff. I mean, there's the implausibility of the film. I think is where the entertainment factor just amps up beyond just the whole sci-fi element, all the things that really shouldn't happen in the film. Um, I I don't really understand the whole relationship between Famke Jansen and and uh, and our our main character. Um, what's his name with the bad haircut? <laughs> um, with mm-hmm. the scat. I don't under. I I wasn't. I was sort of picking up that they had a relationship, or that I don't know. But that was kind of weird to me, and I I just. I, it, I guess it fit, but that was one thing that I just said, no, I'm going to choose to ignore that. <laughs> and say that. I don't know what that is, but I mean, I guess it made for a great kind of resolution at the, you know, the end when he cuts her head off and she, you know, puts it back on or whatever. But I, I, I didn't get that. And there were, there were several things about the movie that I just chose to suspend my disbelief, uh, sci-fi or otherwise that, um, kind of left it sitting around a, two and a half to three star movie for me. It was entertaining, but those are the, probably the biggest quips that I had was just that there was enough about it that was like, nah, I don't like any, you know, those types of resolutions or, you know, the issue with the car and, and all that. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, so, but I guess that's, I mean, that's par for the course when it comes to films like this. And that's not the point that Rodriguez was trying to get to. He was trying to entertain and not necessarily create a, a nice little, you know, make sense resolution. <laughs> I, yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy the ending. I enjoy the various like twists on who gets together. And uh, even though it's completely awkward and weird feeling like seeing Elijah Wood and it just its character with the girl, uh, Jordana Brewster, it just doesn't, it's, <laughs> it's odd. Right. It, but <laughs> you know, I, I dug it. I dug it because it was different because it was I'm, <laughs> not just the same jock got with the girl and everything works out this normal way, you know? Yeah. I'm just waiting for Sean Aston to pop out and say, what can I do for you, Mr. Frodo? Can I get you something else? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then Dom comes out and be like, you date my sister. I kill you. You know, that's <laughs> it's just like, what? <laughs> this ain't a street fight. <laughs> you can have any beer in here as long as it's a Corona. Uh, <laughs> sorry. We digress. <laughs> we do. There's so much talk about the faculty that we're spending more time talking about other movies. Um, yeah. Oh, dig. Anyway, 
but yeah, overall, I thought it was a very entertaining film. I mean, I can safely say it's not one of my favorites, but it was fun to to venture through and, and revisit for the sake of uh, the uh, the listeners. And and we hope that you guys have enjoyed listening to us talk about this as much as we've enjoyed talking about it. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to cover, or have we kind of hit everything that we wanted to? No, I think if I think if I try to keep going, it's going to end up being either repetitive or unnecessarily mean so i think uh i think we've hit the <laughs> we've hit the high points and we, we've established that we like the movie and it's fun and and we think that honestly it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it and you've listened really this is. far um or if you are listening to this and you haven't seen it like us in darn near 20 years go check it out go revisit it and and see if it's still an entertaining and good time for you so if people want to continue to talk about this or other stuff with you where can they find you on the interwebs aaron uh, all over at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can always find me in the Facebook group as well, where we talk about movies all day long, every day. There's great conversations going on there, and you can find links to that in the show notes, on the blog post, on the website, or even on the landing page for the website. We try to make that as accessible as we can. What about you, Patrick? You can find me at the big three, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, at Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. If you want to keep conversations going with me about this or other films that we've covered or even films that we haven't covered, like Can't Hardly Wait, uh, and I guess that we will cover in the future. And uh, if you want to find more about me, particularly, you can check out my website, thisispatch.com. Um, I guess that about wraps it up. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, patrons, for uh, continuing to support us, not only with these great uh, votes and picks, but also with your listenership and your funds that help keep us afloat each month. Uh, we are incredibly grateful for you and to you, and we appreciate just everything that, that you guys do. Listeners as well, just anybody out there that uh, has taken time to to hit play on their their MP3 player or phone or whatever it is that you're listening to us on, uh, thank you guys for listening to us and uh, continue to support us by doing that at the very least. Or if you want to drop us a review in iTunes, we'd love to hear what you think of the show or a comment on our website, whatever. And uh, in the meantime, as we always say, stay positive and keep 